Eagles have two fantasy-relevant tight ends, and both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard factor into today's Fantasy Football in 15 debates. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. I am Michael Feller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, marching right along. Hopefully some good news in the NFL. How you doing, man? Doing pretty well, Beller. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Also, we are continuing along in our debate week, and we have yet to hit the tight end position, so we are going to do that today. Uh, two tight end debates, both of which involve a Philadelphia Eagle, so you know two of the four players that we'll be discussing. Of course, in two different debates, we start off with Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz, two guys who are being drafted very closely to one another, NFFC ADP since July 1st. You've got Andrews as the TE3 at 48.51 and Zach Ertz as the TE4. He is checking in at 56.08, a little bit more of a spread than I would have guessed between these two players. But if you take one, you're almost certainly not taking the other. And if you're in the market for Andrews, you'll probably be in the market for Ertz as well. So that's where we start this. Uh, DVR, why don't you take it away first? You've got Zach Ertz here. Why are you going Ertz over Andrews? You know, I think I was uh, someone who was skeptical of Ertz a year ago because the price got too high, but now the price has kind of fallen back into maybe being a tick on the undervalued side. The main reason, I think, is consistency. If you think about him in PPR and even half PPR leagues, at least 74 catches in five straight seasons, at least 816 yards in each of those seasons as well. It's rare to see a tight end do that over a five-year window like that. Jason Witten and Tony Gonzalez are the only other two tight ends to have five seasons like that. And I think the thing about the Eagles that I feel pretty good about is that while we don't really know what's going to happen in the receiving core, they use a lot of 12 personnel, so Ertz can coexist with Dallas Goddard. Uh, I think Carson Wentz still has one more level he can reach. I think just being completely healthy is certainly something that makes me feel better about the offense as a whole. So it's really all about the floor. This is a guy that has not finished outside of the top 10 among tight ends in any of those five seasons that I mentioned. He's a target machine. 135 targets last year, 156 targets two years ago when he had that 116 catch season and 1163 yards. Even if you can't really see him getting back to those 2018 levels, I think 2019 plus a couple more TDs is absolutely possible. Efficiency was down a little bit for Ertz. He was at 6.8 yards per target last year. That was the first time in his career that he's been under 7.5. So just kind of regression to his mean would bring him back into that 1,000-yard range. Uh, still a lot to like, again, with a guy that, frankly, isn't as old as you'd think either. feels like Zach Ertz has been around forever, uh, but still uh, not... Not done yet. I've seen projections with him over 90 catches, just over 1,000 yards. I'm buying into that. I just love the floor for this guy, but I think he brings a little more ceiling that people give him credit for too. Yeah, I don't really think there's much of an anti-Ertz case to be made here. Dallas Goddard's there. I think we're all expecting a little bit more out of Miles Sanders in the passing game this season. Maybe the receivers stay healthy. They certainly can't be any less healthy in Philadelphia than they were last year. But even if all those things happen, how much can that eat into Ertz's production given that he is not only the best pass catcher there, but has a great relationship with Carson Wentz? So I'm not going to try to make an anti-Ertz case. I do have a very strong 
pro Andrews case that I am going to make, though. Breakout year for him in 2019. 64 grabs on 98 targets, 852 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Just like Zach Ertz is undoubtedly the number one pass catcher in Philadelphia, Mark Andrews is undoubtedly the number one pass catcher in Baltimore. I don't think that changes. We maybe get a healthy Marquise Brown this season, but... I think that helps Mark Andrews. I think that that will draw some attention away. You know, this was a team that was built on its running game, on Lamar Jackson running, Mark Ingram running, and the only real guy they had as a major consistent threat in the passing game was Mark Andrews. And while that can lead to some big target numbers, it does hurt in terms of the attention that a guy is going to draw from the opposing defense. And then it's not as though we saw Mark Andrews push up to these gaudy target numbers last year, just 98 targets. Hayden Hurst got 39 targets a season ago. He now, of course, is in Atlanta, so he is gone. Uh, Mark Andrews is not only the clear number one tight end, he was that last year, but now really not a whole lot of competition for tight end targets for him in Baltimore, I believe in Lamar Jackson and this Baltimore offense. Even if Jackson takes a step back in the efficiency department, and as much as we all love Lamar Jackson, he almost has to take a step back in the efficiency department, both yards per attempt and touchdown rate. What he did last season is just not sustainable, and if you need a model for that, just look at Patrick Mahomes from 2018 to 2019. And Patrick Mahomes still had himself a pretty darn good 2019. I think he's got a ring on his finger because of what he did in 2019, but he just wasn't able to match the efficiency, and I think we need to expect that to happen from Lamar Jackson, but there is still a big window for Lamar to regress a little bit in efficiency and Mark Andrews to still be that next best tight end behind Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And what I love about him, what really puts him over the top for me, DVR, is that he is a playmaker. He is not the sort of tight end who is going to you know, get eight yards here, 10 yards there, maybe uh, uh, breaks a couple of tackles and turns something into 15 or 17 yards. This guy makes big plays down the field. Five of his 10 touchdowns were 17 yards or more, including one from 20 yards, one from 27, one from 39. I really think that everything is building to him having another very big season. Maybe the touchdowns come down a little bit, but I look at what we saw from him in the yardage department and the reception department last year, and for me, those feel like floors for 2020. Yeah, I think the thing that I like about Andrews is the big playability you touched on. 16 of his 64 catches went for 20-plus yards. I think that's more like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle type athleticism, and that certainly makes a player really exciting. Uh, so I think these are both viable players. I think in the case of, of Ertz, what makes me extra confident too is I don't think there's enough in the receiving core that is locked in target-wise. Like I, Those targets could be up for grabs each and every week, and figuring out the Eagles' wide receivers could just be a nightmare. They have talent but they just don't have clearly defined roles at this point. And I think Ertz has a defined role, and everything else kind of revolves around that through the air. So I think that's where the separation comes from me. But these are two guys that I actually feel pretty good about at their respective prices. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that before we move on to the next pairing of tight ends here. If you just look at, uh, you use them maybe as the two bounds of this one round, right? Because we're talking about 46 to, to 58, so about 12 picks. Some of the other guys... In that range, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Swift, Mark Ingram. Uh, do you find yourself gravitating toward one of those other players, or do you think that this is the right spot to act on a tight end? If you can get one of these guys, obviously. Generally, I'm probably not going at tight ends right here, but the room could break in a way where that's how it goes down. And if it does go down that way, I'm leaning on Ertz for that volume over Andrews 
I think in a best ball scenario, I might be a little more inclined to flip it because of that big mm-hmm. playability that we talked about. But in week-to-week traditional fantasy leagues where you're just looking for that higher floor, especially in full PPR, I have to give the, er- the edge to Ertz. All right, let's move on to our other tight end battle that we've got slated for today. It includes Ertz's teammate Dallas Goddard and Austin Hooper, the new Cleveland Brown. I'm going to start this one off. I'm going Dallas Goddard. Uh, The ADPs for these two guys, very close to one another. Uh, Austin Hooper comes off the board just a little bit earlier, 126.29, tight end 13. That's his ADP. About a half round later, you're going to find Dallas Goddard in your typical draft, 132.22, the TE14. I do like shopping in this area for tight ends, but I don't really like Austin Hooper that much. I couldn't make an anti-Ertz case. I can make an anti-Hooper case. I think it was a perfect storm for him in Atlanta last season. You had a non-existent running game. You had a bad defense, so you had a lot of opportunities for the passing game. You had a very high-volume passing game in Atlanta. Matt Ryan has always been a guy who's going to rack up the attempts, and Hooper just sort of took advantage of all of those uh, that, that confluence of events working in his favor, and I'm not sure that that's going to happen for him in Cleveland this year. I think you could look at that Cleveland offense and say that Austin Hooper is no better than the fifth option when you see Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. I think all four of those guys uh, require more opportunities to make plays than <clears throat> than Austin Hooper, excuse me. And you also have a big, high-volume receiving back in Kareem Hunt, so I, I really think that can end up taking a lot off the table for Hooper because I don't think it's going to take anything off the table for Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They're going to get theirs. That's why I stay away from Hooper. I do like Goddard. You look at what he did last season, 58 catches on 87 targets, 607 yards, and five touchdowns his rookie year in 2018, 33 catches, 334 yards, four touchdowns. He has to do all of this in Zach Ertz's shadow, and I don't think that's going to change this season. But go back a couple of weeks when we had Zach Berman on, one of our Eagles beat writers, and he talked about the top three pass catchers in Philadelphia's offense being in order, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. So I don't look at this as him being the number two tight end on his own team. I look at it as him being the number two pass catcher on his own team. And maybe he can't really get more than the 87 targets he had last year. But with what he has done, with the fact that Philly plays more 12 personnel than anyone in the league, I think he can do exactly what he did last year with those 87 targets. And then you throw the the draft position back in at tight end 14, you're not really asking him to do much more. If you get him at tight end 14, 132 overall, and you sign up for right off the bat, if I could guarantee you 60 catches, 600 yards, five touchdowns, that's a win. That's a win at pick 130 in tight end 14. And it really does feel like with what his role is in the offense, with what he has proved to this staff two years in a row, that the role is going to increase for him. And I love the continuity factor also in this insane year that we're going to have. He comes in with the same quarterback, the same head coach, the same offensive coordinator, no changes. Austin Hooper, that's all different for him. And some of those parts are different for the guys who were on Cleveland last year. So all that adds up to me, favoring Dallas Goddard, and not only favoring him, but favoring him pretty comfortably. I don't think you're going to see Austin Hooper on any of my teams this season. See, I think with Hooper, what gets me pretty excited is that the Browns were quick to add him to the mix, and they had all those weapons in place, including David Njoku, who probably seems like he's more on the way out of town at some point, whether that's at the trade deadline this season or even perhaps during a a summer trade. Maybe we see him get dealt in the next couple of weeks. I think with Hooper, we've seen him produce as the fourth guy in the offense before. I mean, look at the 2018 Falcons. Julio Jones is a target monster. They had Kelvin Ridley as a rookie. They had Mohamed Sanu still in that offense, getting a good number of targets. And Austin Hooper 
was behind all of those guys, and he still caught 71 passes, got up to 660 yards and four touchdowns. I think what we've seen from him is a little more efficiency than I would have expected. Uh, 8.1 yards per target last year for Hooper. He's actually been at or above that mark in two of his other three seasons, so a little bit better at making big plays than he's probably given credit for. Missed some games last year, too, when he went for 787 yards and six TDs. Did that in just 13 games. So I agree with you that the situation's a little more crowded. I have to wonder if Cleveland's offense this year might actually be better than the Falcons' offense in 2019. So if he's only behind you know, Beckham, Landry, and one of Hunt or Chubb in the pecking order, that's not totally unfamiliar territory for Austin Hooper. He's had success in that situation in the past. I think the biggest thing, too, that... I worry about with Dallas Goddard is the presence of Zach Ertz we talked about earlier. Maybe that uncertainty at wide receiver is a big part of, of why Goddard can pull it off. You mentioned the use of 12 personnel in Philadelphia. I think that's a really good point to bring up, but I, I think Deshaun Jackson's still good enough to get targets. Jalen Rieger's going to get targets. They're going to take some shots occasionally downfield with Marquise Goodwin. The wild card really for the Eagles offense and how Dallas Goddard's target volume might fluctuate comes down to the health of Alshon Jeffrey. I'm still an Alshon Jeffrey truther as long as he's healthy enough to play. So I think part of my reservation with Goddard comes from uncertainty about Jeffrey's availability to begin the season. If Jeffrey is available, I do see that path for Goddard opening up just a little bit more, especially... For a rookie like Rieger, he, he might not be able to get on the field as much because of the delays we've had. Like He may be in more limited roles than we would have anticipated for the beginning part of the season, at least, and that could really lead the Eagles to lean more heavily on Goddard. But Hooper, to me, like they prioritized him. They want him there. They don't really want David Njoku there, so I'm not really worried about competition at his position, and I think we've seen him have to play kind of third or fourth fiddle behind other pass catchers before and still have success doing it. Yeah, you do have to acknowledge the fact that a new coaching staff went out and was aggressive in getting Hooper. They had nothing to do with David Njoku being there, so that definitely does uh, give a little bit of confidence for Austin Hooper, but I still love what we've seen from Dallas Goddard and believe that he can be the number two guy, even with Jalen Rieger and a healthy Alshon Jeffrey in there. Let's wrap this up. we got about a minute left, so let's wrap it up the same way we did on Tuesday's show. If you look at all four of these guys and you take cost into effect – how do you rank them? How do you rank how aggressive or how much you would like to have them on your teams at their ADPs? For me, it's Ertz and Andrews still more likely to be on the team because if I go cheap, if I go down closer to where Hoopert and Goddard go, there are some other guys we'll talk about in other episodes who I actually like even more. So in terms of likelihood of me getting them, Ertz 1, Andrews 2, Hooper 3, Goddard 4. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat here. Just I flip the guys. Uh, I take the guys who I like more, who I took on in these debates. I go Andrews 1, Ertz 2, Goddard 3, Hooper 4. There's a reason why Mike Kosicki wasn't in this episode, folks. It's because Derek <laughs> and I both like him, and neither of <laughs> us wanted to argue against him. So that's who I am finding myself circling back to a lot if we are talking in the cheaper tight end tier. And maybe we will find someone that one of us can argue against so we can get to Mike Kosicki on the, uh, this episode or on this, uh, on this show at some point this summer. But I do think that one way or another, we'll find a way to talk about the Dolphins tight end. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We would greatly appreciate it. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.